I'll say it again. What? <laughs> I am shocked. This I, are they serious? Like they couldn't be any more. Hey, it's coming from Jamaica. It's red stripe. Pretty of obvious. Of course, there's going to be weed in there. Yeah. Yeah. Inspired by the adventures of our nurses, therapists, and techs, A Beer with Atlas is the only healthcare traveling, craft beer drinking podcast. Each week, we'll open a few beers, talk about the brewery and the style of beer, and then dive into some research curated specifically for each episode. In the end, we hope each one sounds like a conversation you'd have with your friends while enjoying a few cold ones. Yeah, man. Welcome to another episode of A Beer with Atlas. I'm Rich. I'm Brian. Dolan was <laughs> muted there for a second. Yeah, uh, I wanted to hide myself from that embarrassment. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> Too late. I, that's how they talk in Jamaica, right? I mean, that's how it is. They're happy all the time. Even when they're not happy, they're still happy. I, 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 I think that's a fun way to live. It's the best way. What? What do you think the suicide rate there is in Jamaica? Because if you pretend to be happy all the time, it's probably, yeah, I don't know. Mm. Let's get a couple of these beers in us and maybe we'll see what we can find out. You're right. That took a, that took a dark turn already. So as you can probably imagine the uh, week three of mainstream may is red stripe imported lager beer brewed in Jamaica. There we go. Yeah. Yep. That's what we got today. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, Drank my share of these, Brian. I believe you have drank your share as well. I've drank four total today. today. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I, with the time, the number of times we started and stopped on this, I'm not surprised. <laughs> Good thing I had a six pack. But, but okay, so Brian and I have both been to Jamaica and co- consumed uh, a number of these before. Dolan, you've never been to Jamaica, right? No, no, but I, I have only had one red stripe on my 21st birthday and haven't had one since. Why just one? Well, I thought, you know what? I'm 21. This is great. I get to go explore the the world of alcohol Ooh. legally. Oh, <laughs> So sure. I went to this uh, world market and there was beers from all around the country. And uh, I decided to buy some German beers, some chili beers. And Red Stripe was one of the ones that, that ended up in my, my cart. Tried it, wasn't a fan, but you know, that was huh. two years ago, right? Here's the, here's the thing, like I made a promise a long time ago. I make, my, I make silly promises to myself sometimes, right? When I go to a coast on a vacation or something, some coast somewhere, doesn't matter, I only eat things that come out of the ocean. That's just one of my things. Like okay. I, I won't eat burgers or steaks or chicken or anything. I only consume seafood. So one of the things I've said with Red Stripe is I will only drink Red Stripe if I can see a beach or an ocean. I'm breaking that out right now, obviously, because yeah. there's no beach or ocean here anywhere. Sometimes but, you just have to drink a beer. Right, right. Yeah. And it's, it's, a very, it's a very clean lager, crisp, very crisp. Is that, I don't even. Yeah, it's, it's bordering for me almost on a cider, how crisp it is, if mm. that makes any sense. The sweetness. Yeah, just the finish of it. It's almost cider-ish. Non-beer drinkers, uh, this could be, there's no, there's no bitterness at all. No, none. 
so this for non-beer drinkers could be a nice introductory beer. Yeah, and for beer drinkers, this could be, you know, like your switch up beer. Like, oh, now I'll hydrate. Now I'll have one of these. If you, uh, <laughs> if you find the Bob Marley channel on XM Radio and you're at a pool or something. Yeah, just be careful with the glass at mm, the pool. Yeah. Don't drop well, it. In my, in my research here, uh, they make it in cans now. Oh, much safer. Yeah. So they, they uh, I'll kind of, I'll dive into this a little bit. And then I did a little bit of research on the different beers they made because I really thought Red Stripe was just Red Stripe and that was it. And they didn't make anything else or it was just part of a bigger company. And, and that was all. Turns out like they are part of a bigger company, but they produce a ton of different beers. A ton is, is unfair. They produce a number of different beers. <laughs> there we go. Uh, so Red Stripe uh, was first introduced in Illinois in 1928, uh, developed by Paul Geddes and Bill Martindale. Um, in it, it didn't do. I, I don't know what happened. It didn't really say. Didn't do too well. They sold it to a company in the UK um, in 1993. Shortly after, like they had financial problems. Shortly after, sold it. It was gone. Shortly that have been right that, around prohibition, right? I, I assume that's probably what happened. Mm. It just said financial troubles. That'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the investors bought the brand and recipe, brought the brand and recipe to Jamaica. There must've been some sort of, I mean, they were UK at the time, Jamaica, like, like, you know, your, uh, your research has found UK mm -hmm. was, uh, they were still a colony. Yes. Back then. So they started producing it there in 93 Guinness bought them. Uh, it was uh, now Diego, D-I-A-G-E-O, Diego, uh, acquired a controlling interest. Then in 2015, our beer from last week, Heineken, bought them. So not too long ago. No. Um, here's what I've gleaned through some of that research. Uh, do you know why it was called Red Stripe? No. Uh, what was his name? Pete? Paul? Who was the Paul. guy? Paul Giddies. Paul was hauling ass to get to work one day. And this is in the 1920s, so he's probably going about 20 miles an hour. In his Model T. And he got pulled over by the police. Mm. And the police officer's uniform had a red stripe on the side. And they had a hard time coming up with a name for their beer or their brewery stuff. And it clicked in his mind that day. And, and that allegedly is where it comes from. A red stripe on a police officer's uniform. That's the uh, stripe on the bottle, maybe? Okay. Yep. That's what it comes from. That's what they say. Hmm. All right. One of the good things about drinking this in Jamaica, well, is I guess one way to start is you only have to be 18. That's the right. drinking age. So you're going to have, you know, three years worth of practice on these, Dolan. Had you been, you know, Jamaican, you could have really been into these. I was going to say, I could have went and bought it, my first one at 18 instead of 21. That's right. That's right. If you had gone to Jamaica, right. If I had went to Jamaica. Rich, let's, uh, let's get into what else they make there that are Jamaican exclusives. Because I don't believe most of the rest of the stuff gets out. Never seen these. So 2014, they started producing in cans. Weird. It, just six years ago. Otherwise, it was just a little brown bottle here. Like the little, little hand grenade looking bottle. Yes. Uh, Red Stripe Light, which is a 3.6% uh, ABV version of the red stripe which i don't know if i've ever had that even in jamaica i don't think i had that uh and then all the rest of these are the light 
component, the light beer component with some fruit adjuncts as, uh, as, as Brian would say. Yes. Lemon, lemon paradise, which is a lemony flavored. Mm, sounds like, delicious. I, on a beach. That sounds fantastic. Uh, Sorel. What? I, I don't know. What is that? I don't know what that is. Here, here's what we got for Sorel. It is a green. It is like a lettuce, cabbage, spinach sort of thing. Grows up out of the ground. It's almost, um, when you grind it up, it's got a red color to it, like a beet or something like that. It's allegedly, I've never tasted it, but it's allegedly tastes like uh, kiwi or strawberries in that sort of family of flavors. So it'd be another tropical take on a red stripe light. I would definitely try that. Uh, and then the last one is melon. And my, my experience with any time they, watermelon in particular, uh, very, it looked like there was a watermelon slice on the label. My take with watermelon and beer is it's so, so hard to get that flavor to come through. Well, here's my question. Why don't they just call it watermelon? If it's Why? mallet, I mean, you know what I mean? I don't know. I've had some great watermelon beers in my time. And uh, 21st Amendment, I think it's called. Brewery out of uh, like San Francisco, they have one that's amazing. Hmm. And uh, I just had one this weekend, actually, from Boiler in Lincoln. This really? Watermelon. Uh, mimosa goza who mm -hmm. boy was that good tastes more like the watermelon you get close to the rind that sort of flavor mm. not that uh, bubblicious watermelon mm, okay my my experience has just been with maybe some more macro of the micros if that makes sense sure. some, some larger colorado ones have have a watermelon um offering that is very uh not it was it, it's a miss quite honestly that it just doesn't, I see what they're trying to do. And even the label is like, like Gallagher smashing the watermelon with the, oh, with yeah. the you know, with the mallet. Yeah. That, it, just not there. So I don't just know. Just like, just like Gallagher, also a mess. <laughs> you never appreciated Gallagher? Uh, no. Oh, no. man. The Sledgematic, my dad used to laugh at that. He thought that yeah. was so funny. Some da you know, early 80s dads thought that was funny. <laughs> And they also thought Benny Hill was funny. Yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just where we're at. Dolan, get on YouTube, check those things out. Red <laughs> Green, he loved Red Green. I never understood that show. Yeah, no. That was dumb. Too much flannel. Way, way too much. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's the different beers that they produce there. All of them at 3.6%. So, just, you know, slightly a tick above uh, uh, Flint, Michigan water, but under... <laughs> The 4.7 of a red stripe. Luckily, it tastes better. <laughs> well, that's, that's debatable. We haven't had I don't know. I, I guess we know. haven't. But if it tasted like red stripe, they probably wouldn't complain. Mm. That's my feeling. True. Yeah. Uh, the good thing about 3.6 or whatever is it takes you all day to get messed up in the sunshine. So yes, it would. That's maybe part of the plan there. I don't know. Um, but what I do know is if I can find some sort of music tie-in, mm. you know I'm going to do it. And now uh, there's an obvious one here. So, of course, I didn't do that. Oh, man. I love Bob Marley. You know, everybody says that. But do they? I don't know. I do. Do you? Do you? Do, no. I, do. I, don't, I don't love him. Ziggy, um, not so much. Bob, yes. Damien? Damien? Uh, mm. I don't know. I got into Damien Keys in high school. Yeah. Mm. Or Dam oh. Damien Keys. Damien Keys is a... Uh, music marketing brain. Damien 
Marley. Marley. Yes. Is Bob Marley's son. Yeah. Sorry. I thought maybe you and Bob had something in common for a second there. <laughs> Dolan. I was just going to let you ride. <laughs> no, no. Damien Keys is a, uh, a small band marketing guy. That's it. Got it. Hmm. Well, here's kind of to piggyback off that. Um, when I was in Jamaica, uh, I had picked up right before I left um, this Rolling Stone special edition that had just come out about Bob Marley. And it was like his top 100 songs or whatever. And this was um, an area of my music knowledge that I know little to nothing about, which is reggae. And I thought about that in the last couple of days. I was kind of thinking like, how come I have in my 40 years really been against it? Like stayed away from it for the most part. Um, I don't enjoy it a whole lot and I wanted to know why. And I think I finally came up with a reason. And I don't know if it holds any water or not, but it just sounds too happy. Like you were talking earlier, Rich, mm-hmm. like maybe not the lyrics, maybe the song itself, the message isn't, you know, sunshine, but the music itself almost always is upbeat. Mm-hmm. I'm somebody that likes to wallow in the shit. I love sad stuff. I love, you know, like minor key things. That's the kind of stuff I gravitate towards. Sure. So like sunshine in my ears is not something that I generally, you know, like I'll listen to it for a little while. Um, but I, I can't stand in that happiness for too long. And I think that's probably why I've, I've stayed away for the most part. I think most people have some like periphery knowledge of Bob Marley, whether it's a blacklight poster or, um, you know, the legends CD that you got at the, the store at the mall or whatever back mm-hmm. in the day. Um, but so what I did was I kind of did a little research uh, about studios in Jamaica and like, who made the music and what sort of artists came out of there. So we're going to get a little bit of Bob, but not a whole lot. So just a little, I had to touch them just a little bit, but um, the main studios that I wanted to talk about real quick, uh, federal studio is kind of the birthplace of ska music. So that's kind of, mm-hmm. and maybe Dolan can type or like chime in on this a little bit too, but it's, it's basically reggae ish, but with more horns, if that's the best way to put it. It's like, like a lot of bass. It, it's like reggae punk. How about that? Yeah. yeah. So like even faster. Yeah. The, the yeah. mighty, mighty boss tones. Yes. That, yeah. I, I think if I had to choose like a, like top, t- top five of all time for me, the mighty, mighty boss tones might be number five. Band. Well, wow. There you go. Right. Wow. For you. That's and Pennywise right. is maybe top 10. So there you go. Oh my goodness. Okay. Wow. Mm. Well, I can barely read my notes after that. Um, I, didn't, I didn't know that you were... Well, I mean, you like punk, I guess. I like punk, so why wouldn't I like ska music? I, I, you know? That makes sense. Yeah. Well, you'd like some of these bands then, Rich. Okay. And that's, that's where the birthplace of ska came from. So a lot of times we'll think about the early ska bands coming out of England, like Madness and those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. But it makes sense with the Jamaica-Britain um, connection that that music would kind of float back and forth between those two islands. So that's kind of how that works. Sure. Um, there's one that was called Studio One, and they really focused on the bass. That was like, if you recorded there, your bass would be prominent and featured, and Dolan would just absolutely love that. Um, that's where they did a lot of reggae recording. So Burning Spear, which is a band I've heard of, uh, the Scatolites, or the Scatolites but mostly ska to lights is how it's spelled. Mm. And then Bob Marley did some stuff there before he was technically in the Whalers. Um, There's one that's called Dynamic Studios and they did ska, but also dance hall music. So that's another 
falls under the umbrella of world music. Probably you'd find that on satellite radio that way. Mm. It's just island music, basically. Um, fast tempo, upbeat stuff. Um, Toots and the Mayalls is one, and Yellow Man is another faint, like Grammy-winning um, artist that does that style of music. Maybe um, more, uh, more Cuban influence, maybe, to that? Is um, that what I'm thinking of? Maybe. It's maybe more like, kind of like steel drummy, mm-hmm. islandy stuff, if that makes sense. Okay. If that yeah. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a studio called Black Ark, and that was kind of more dance hall music, uh, underground dance music. And there's a guy out of that that's famous. I think he just passed away this last year, Lee Scratch Perry. Um, so he's like the, the basically where EDM or techno music comes from. It's like has its roots in this style of music, and he's like the grandfather of that. So that came out of this place in reggae. Uh, or in, in Jamaica. And then there was um, Tough Gong Studios, which of course that's Bob Marley's record label. He had a studio uh, in Jamaica. These are all in Kingston, by the way. That's basically, if you've been to Jamaica, you know that there's like Kingston and then there's maybe one other city. And that's pretty much it for the whole country. Yeah. Um, and then Channel One. This was one that was, I think it must have been like in the back of a restaurant said the people that owned it own ice cream parlor and uh, they had like a bar in there too. And then you could record some music and uh, Bunny Lee, who's a famous uh, reggae singer. And then Jimmy Cliff who has a song I can see clearly now was like a pop crossover hit and was big in this like 1970, I think uh, recorded some stuff there as well. Um, it was all on four track. So that means you only have four things available to use. And now we have, you know, a thousand tracks, a million tracks, whatever you want. Uh, but back then, that's how you did it. It was on tape. And having been there, Rich, probably if you left the resort for any sort of time and went around and into the mountain towns and stuff, you see how poor folks are and how DIY everything was. And these mm-hmm. studios, especially back then, uh, 50s, 60s, and 70s, were just like, no one has better equipment in his house right now from what I can see than what would have been in these places. So it's a lot of the, um, what you were talking about earlier, just the people that are in Jamaica and like their attitude really rubbed off on the music. And that's, I mean, they could have made these records anywhere, but they sound like they do because they're from this place and the people that were there engineering and recording. So um, that's what I have for those. My main interest was, especially in the seventies, there was a lot of bands that went to Jamaica to record because reggae was becoming a big thing in Europe and especially in England. And it was starting to kind of cross over to America. So if you were a band, a rock band or whatever, you probably had a song somewhere in there that had a reggae beat to it, whether you're the police, Rolling Stones, that sort of stuff. So I went through and I did a little research and I found some albums by famous musicians that you've heard. um, And these songs were recorded in Jamaica or written in Jamaica. So Paul Simon had Mother and Child Reunion Mm. and also Me and Julio. Down very, yard. very uh, tropical Jamaican influence on that. Yeah. And that's because it was recorded there. Hmm. Um, Eric Clapton, he had an album from 75 that was called One in Every Crowd. Not a lot of hits on it. Uh, it has a really cool version of Sweet or Swing Low Sweet Chariot. That's kind of a hit. Hmm. Um, but that whole album is pretty much a reggae album, and, and he recorded it there. Uh, the Rolling Stones recorded most of Goat's Head Soup there, which was one of the first Rolling Stones albums I got that had hits uh basically the biggest song on there was angie um but then there's also a song called waiting on a friend that's kind of got a reggae feel to it a lot of the songs for goodbye yellow brick road elton john's big double album 
were recorded there and written there, uh, but they had some problems with actual recording. So we basically re-recorded most of it back in England and in France, but the genesis of that album came uh, from Jamaica. There's a song there called Jamaica Jerk Off. I believe it's track seven or eight. That's pretty, pretty great. Ah. Uh, let's see who else. The Clash, Sex Pistols. So there's that punk mm -hmm. uh, aspect. They're going down there to record. Uh, Robert Palmer was a, did some solo stuff, but he was also in some bands in the late 70s. And um, one of my favorites, and this is probably one of the only reggae albums I own, uh, came out in 2005. It won two Grammys for Best uh, Reggae Album and then also got some nominations for Country Album. And we're talking none other than Willie Nelson's Country Man. So he did a whole reggae album and there was two songs on there. One of them was written by Johnny Cash that he turned into a reggae song. And then there was another one and they shot videos there in uh, Kingston. And uh, Willie had his own, you know, reggae run. So hmm. that's kind of where I started i guess if that makes sense because i was a willy guy and i still am but that's where i got into reggae and the, seeing the names that were guests on there or in the in the liner notes i traced it backwards so i would so. never have guessed that willy would have done a uh i i mean i'm not surprised the dude does, he's done everything everywhere yeah. in every genre possible so yeah. i i guess i'm not surprised but i i would never have guessed that it's actually not too shabby. Um, if I think it's on Spotify, I definitely have the disc. Um, but it's pretty cool. At least the first four or five songs, I feel are pretty strong. But after that, for me, it's just the music's too happy and I have to, I have to go somewhere else. But. Hmm. So that's what I know about that. And then this is where my major stuff came from. So Island Records, have you heard of that label? Oh, yes. Has its roots in Jamaica. Hmm. So... Chris Blackwell, he's the founder. Um, he records an album. He's from England, and he goes and he lives in Jamaica. He's working there for a little while. And in 1959, he puts out this little record of jazz standards by this guy. Uh, I wrote his name down, Lance Hayward, who was a blind guy from Bermuda, and he was a singer and piano player. And he did this jazz recording of standard songs, nothing original, just all interpretations. Uh, and that's the first record that's out on Island Records. And Chris Blackwell at that time was like 21. I think he had worked in a studio and then he decided that's what he wanted to do and was a recorder, engineer, that sort of thing. Uh, in 1962, he moves to London and takes the, st the studio name with him and starts recording albums. And I've got a list of bands here uh, who were signed to Island Records or made records for them. And I'll just run through them real quick and you can hit me with those. Mm. Um, Traffic and or the Spencer Davis group. So that was Steve Winwood's stuff in the late 60s and 70s that was yeah. um, pretty big before he was like a solo superstar in the 80s. Mm -hmm. um, Jethro Tull recorded for them. Never been a Jethro Tull fan, but I, I, see, the, I see the popularity. Yeah. Um, there's a band called Free. Now you probably don't know the band's name, but they have a song that's called All Right Now. Oh, if I say yeah. that, you'll know the chorus, and that was an Island Records hmm. thing. Uh, there's a band called ELP, which is Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. That was, yes. one was big, kind of like prog, or almost math rock. It's like Rush before Rush. Um, Nick Drake, singer-songwriter, um, never really had any hits. He had like three or four albums. Uh, I think he did a suicide or a drug overdose, something like that. Uh, but one of his songs was used in a Volkswagen commercial a few years ago, and it was called Pink Moon. Uh, that, that album itself is amazing. And that's my type of music. That's some sad shit. Mm. <laughs> if, you wanna, if you need something to uh, go along with your sad feelings, check out Pink Moon, the album. 
I, uh, I think okay. we, we, we really uncovered why you don't like reggae. It's I just, think that really is it. I think it's it is. too happy. It's just too happy. Yeah. Um, okay. And also the snare drum. I don't like that snare sound, Dolan. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> why not? I, I like it. I, nope. Too happy. I appreciate no, the steel drum. I like the sound the steel drum makes. That has its own place, but that's not throughout the whole song. Right. Okay. And every song. And every song starts with a snare, I, I feel oh. like. That's just me. <laughs> that's just me. This, um, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Go. I, I, just, I like the steel drum because it doesn't sound like it looks. Does yeah, that make yeah, sense? That's true. Yeah. Yeah. It, it makes a sound that it, it doesn't look like it should make that sound, and it yeah. makes that sound, which I always found fascinating. Yeah, I think, I think that's true. Um, probably won't find any steel drum on Cat Stevens records, but he was in the late 70s, one of the biggest music stars in the whole world. He signed to Island. Uh, Roxy Music. Then Bob Marley shows up. He signed to Island. Hmm. So Burnin' was one of his big albums and Catch a Fire. Uh, those were Island records before he did Exodus and that sort of stuff. Um, here's somebody I just cannot stand. This is like if Mayonnaise and Mustard became a musician. Uh, it's, Tom, it's Tom Waits. I hate Tom <laughs> What? Why don't you like what? His voice sounds like a garbage disposal. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. I like some of his songs, like other people sing his songs, and that's great. No. Um, you too. Ever heard of them? Yeah, they're, they're around. Uh, they signed Island Records. They've been on Island, I think, forever. I think they're still on Island Records. And then in 1989, he sold it. Um, Blackwell sold it and made $272 million, which is okay. I mean, that's a little bit of money. It's not bad. <laughs> and uh, Universal bought it, Polygram. And then they started signing... Um, like this new wave of British bands. So everybody pretty much on there was British. Mm. So these will be some of the bands you probably are, are more familiar with, and especially you, Dolan. Um, band called Keen, band called Pulp, PJ Harvey, Amy Winehouse, Florence and the Machine, Mumford and Sons, mm. um, Hozier, I think is how you say his name. Mm, I like him. They, yeah, and they good. branched out. Uh, here's somebody I know you're a fan of, Post Malone. Yeah, Island Records, Ariana Grande, The Weeknd, and Toronto's own Drake. All Island Records signees. Hmm. Huh. So that's our Jamaica tie-in for us. That's my music way around not you, talking about Bob Marley. You know who I thought you were going to say that didn't show up on that list? Oasis. I don't think they were on Island Records. No, I, don't, I, I wouldn't have been surprised if you had said they were on Island Records. So, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Weird. Wasn't... And maybe I'm completely off here. Wasn't Weezer on Island Records for at least? No. Are you sure? Yeah, they were on Geffen. Okay. All right. I, maybe. I only know that because I looked at that CD case so many times. So many times. Yeah. Huh. I saw something uh, last night on the internet. Two things related to Weezer. And since we're drinking beer, we'll talk about it because I would if we we're, you know, together. Right. Uh, somebody had put up a, a ha-ha post about um, Weezer and it said uh, their ultimate uh, box set had come out and it was just 12 copies of the blue album uh, so that was funny I, ha -ha, that was good. Uh, but then there's also a video that came out last night of Rivers uh, doing a Nirvana cover and that was pretty yeah. cool so yeah that I so you posted that I just watched mm -hmm. that that's pretty that was pretty fantastic that was if you, so yeah. is his mustache by the way oh yeah that's <laughs> that's good one that's a dirty, dirty yeah. mustache. Yes, it's it is. Great. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm telling you, Post Malone. I don't. I don't. I'm not a fan of his current stuff, right? And I know how Dolan feels, but him 
and Travis Barker and the other and the other dude, whoever was was he the other dude playing bass, whoever that dude was, doesn't matter. Doing an hour and a half cover set of just Nirvana covers was pretty fantastic. I'm I'm probably going to listen to it, and here's why: I've softened a little, only because I read last night that Dave Grohl watched it, and Dave Grohl said it was good. Dave Grohl liked it. Yes. So if if he thinks it's okay, I will probably dip my toe into mm-hmm. the Post Malone pool. There you go. Here's here's the thing: Post Malone. You you just can't listen to his money making music. You know, his his money making music is is what what the what they push, right? Mm-hmm. But he is so much more than that. And there's no other artist doing those kind of things on YouTube. Like you know, aside from everything else that he's on, you know, is he still on Island Records? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. But. There was if at, I reposted this, so if you follow me on on uh, on Facebook, I, I posted this too, and I tagged my my two older children who are are Post Malone fans. Uh, like there was a there was a grunginess to to that that I had uh, that I hadn't heard in a very long time, and it was coming from Post Malone. Like it took me back to college days, as if I was watching a grunge band in the nineties, early nineties. Nice. It was interesting. All right. Well, I, I will probably give that a listen at some point this week. That's on my to-go. Uh, that's on my to-do mit, mit, yeah, list, I should say. You're, you're How many okay? of these have I had? Too many red <laughs> Holy cow. Good thing they're only 4.7. 4.7. So I'm kind of sad because it's 11.2 ounce. I feel like mm-hmm. I got cheated 0.8 ounces. Mm. Not no, a full twelve, but that's like you said. It fits in your hand nicely. Yeah. It's just, it's just that's what you get. It's probably metric. It's probably mm. some sort of magic metric number that I don't know. Probably, probably. And I'm not going to learn it. Screw that. <laughs> <laughs> now, I was going to look it up, and I thought, no, no, I'm not going to look that up. No, no. Well, I suggest if you guys get your hands on the beer salt, that mm. really went well. I, I've seen people dump salt shakers into like Miller lights and Coors mm-hmm. and stuff. This is the only time I feel it's appropriate is for domestic y sort of beers. And uh, this one just hit the spot. So if you can see some, it's usually like two bucks. Um, you want to keep it someplace um, almost in like in the fridge, just because the humidity will get into this and then it'll clump up and you won't be able to use it as much. So either drink a, just a shit ton of domestic beers in one weekend and use it all mm. or store it in the fridge. Mm. That's your pro tip for the day. So you know I love I love me some Wikipedia, and mm, yeah. uh, and I love the just randomness sometimes of of the stuff that you get there, and and who knows it could be true I don't know if it is or not doesn't really matter it's Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Uh, this I, it does say in here why it's a twelve point or eleven point two ounce serving versus okay. a twelve ounce serving. Uh, this is kind of a little bit further down in the Wikipedia here as as I copied and pasted I accidentally copied and pasted all of this so bonus bonus yeah. Um, the in the U.S. the bottling size was reduced from a typical twelve tip, typical twelve ounce serving to eleven point two per serving, which is equivalent to the typical metric serving of 0.33 liters. I knew so it had something to do with the metric. A third of a liter is typical, I guess. I don't know in metrics. Weird Brits. Can't you just give us 0.35? Right. What do you? 
I guess they're going for an even third there, right? Point three, 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 three. I guess. I don't know. Uh, anyway, here's the fun story. I thought this was kind of fun. Red Stripe was first imported into the United States in 1985. So not too long ago. Yeah. I would have thought way earlier. Uh, but it was uh, with poor results. We didn't like it. In, in, uh, in, Initially, we didn't. I like wonder it. why. Uh, seeking to mimic the success of Heineken, Red Stripe was, imp- was exported. For, Red Stripe for export was packaged in a green standard 12-ounce bottle. Mm. So much like Heineken's, right? Yeah. American consumers exposed to Red Stripe through their travels to Jamaica as well as Jamaican expatriates were reluctant to try the brand in the States because it was not packaged in the squat brown bottle and painted label. So what they were used to. Right. They didn't want to, they were like, no, this is, this isn't red stripe. This is something else. I don't want this. The marketing issue was resolved only to have shipments temporarily suspended in January of 89 due to, this should surprise no one, cannabis smuggling in shipping containers discovered at the port of Miami. What? What? They're smuggling weed in with the red stripe. I'll say it again. What? <laughs> I am shocked. This, I, are they serious? Like they couldn't be any more. Hey, it's coming from Jamaica. It's red stripe. Pretty well, of obvious. Of course there's going to be weed in there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, red stripe recovered and rode the popularity of dance halls and reggae into the early 90s. Uh, to well over a million cases cases of annual distribution. So they're they're selling well over a million cases annually. Wow. Uh, Red Stripe is a significant sponsor, like you said, of reggae ska and other music events, including the Reggae Sumfest hosted in Montego Bay. Yeah, they had a lot of music stuff on their website. They had something that was like beer and chicken or something. It was a like a yearly looked like it was almost for local bands or a contest or something I was watching. On, they had YouTube links on their website that I checked out. So uh, that's what I think of uh, when I think of Jamaica is music, of course, and sunshine and sand and all the things you want to, to think about for the most part. So Some of the best jerk chicken I've ever had was uh, at, the, at the resort that we stayed at in Jamaica. It was just, it was fantastic. Dolan, how much time do we got left? We have five minutes. Let me give you a three-minute story. Boom. Okay. We went to, when I was in Jamaica. We're, we're big fans of getting off resort and hanging with locals. Like that's where, that's where the spots are. So we found a guy that worked there and we talked to him. We found out his brother would basically drive us wherever we wanted to go. He had a big, he had a minivan. So we told him, Hey, Saturday night, we want to go out like the locals. We want to eat like locals. We want to hang where you guys hang. Uh, and they said, okay, cool. So they, we got in the van and uh, it's me, my wife, uh, her twin sister, who's getting married, brother-in-law, and then sets of parents. Uh, very white. We are so white, right? Like vanilla paste. <laughs> so we get in the van, we go to this place. It's, it's literally shacks on the water and they're pulling lobsters out of the bay and uh, they have to unplug the light to plug in the fan because it's so hot, but they have like one plug in in the kitchen, right? So uh, they cook these lobsters on the grill, um, red stripes, of course. Uh, we had some like, um, uh, ceviche uh, as an appetizer right there on the beach. It was amazing. It was something that I'll never forget. It was food that you wouldn't get at the resort. It wasn't a hamburger or pizza. You know, it was like uh, real local stuff. We had people coming up to us. We were definitely the only white people there. Uh, and when we left, uh, I guess it would be my brother-in-law's mom uh, 
was offered some brownies in the parking lot, as you will. And uh, she said, man, those look good. And uh, her son was like, nah, I, mom, you don't want, you don't want those. You don't want those brownies. And she's like, but they look so good. And we almost let her get some, but we didn't. Cause she's, you know, like in her mid sixties and I don't know. Man, like having to take her. Uh, <laughs> that was the. I'm not uh, saying nobody else didn't get brownies. I'm just saying she didn't. <laughs> I was waiting for six-year-old. <laughs> yeah. High story. No, we, we, we knew what was up. Uh, <laughs> so Man. we want to knock out the uh, untapped. Untapped. Yeah, that's uh, ah, that's Corona. Hit. Sorry. <laughs> oh, whoa. I was going to hit, uh, uh, so same sort of thing. We were, uh, we were walking down the beach when we first got there the first time and uh, we walked a little too far and they're like, uh, are you sure you want to keep walking here? And I said, well, I don't know. Do we? And that's when they offered to sell you weed. Right. Mm, yeah. And afterwards the resort was like, yeah, white people don't walk down that far usually. So <laughs> yep. that's just how it was. That's how it was. 186,000 check-ins. That's a few. Hmm. What did uh, I rate it as? Dolan checked this in. Oh, Dolan. Oh, he don't remember. Check- nope. And Brian checked this in. Brian checked this in uh, June 20th of 2018. Uh oh, less than a minute. 2000, I'm sorry, 2013. There we go. What do you think? I was in Jamaica. It's probably a 5.0. <laughs> <laughs> two, two, 225. Uh, 3.08. Mm. Dolan was a two seven five. Brian, you were a three. Yeah, um, there you go. Right. Two seven five is fine. It's a fine number. Drinkable, very drinkable. <laughs> it's a good changeup. I mean, like I don't normally have this. Obviously, I don't usually have it in the United States, but it went down all right. I'm okay with it. With where yeah, I wouldn't uh, be, I wouldn't be mad. Nope, not at all. So, well, based on all that, Brian, we're not going anywhere for a while. Let's have another beer, Mon. (laughs) Thank you for listening to A Beer with Atlas. Special thanks to our brand team for producing the show. Each episode of A Beer with Atlas is powered by Atlas Medstaff, an industry leader in travel healthcare staffing.